Hello and welcome to the Work of All Being podcast. I'm Amy from The Wellness Strategy and I'm your host and sometimes just the person you're going to listen to talk. We have a range of episodes. If you haven't already dived into those, please go ahead and do so. But what this podcast really is about is giving you insights into different things that support well-being that perhaps we don't always think of. We have a range of guests who are going to broaden our understanding and experience on what well-being actually looks like, especially in the workplace. And I too will be sharing with you tips, insights, strategies, and just my overall thinking and ramblings. So hang out with us as much as you can, learn as much as you can. And if there's anything you want me to speak of or a guest you want me to interview, absolutely let me know because this is the work of well-being, which means all of us are here together to do the work that matters most so you can have a thriving, fulfilling life both in and out of the workplace. Hello, wonderful people. Welcome back to another episode of the Work of Wellbeing podcast. This, of course, is Amy just hanging out by herself. No guest, no guest this time, unless you count my cat. He is very, very intense right now. Um, I'm recording this at four o'clock. And so any time between, oh, it could be 2.30, could be three onwards, he thinks he's starving for his entire life and hasn't been fed ever, which is very inaccurate. He had breakfast and he even had a little bit of turkey from my salad um a very small piece mind you but um right now is the time where he's like if you don't feed me I'm going to trash everything I'm going to knock everything off your desk I'm going to start kicking things and knocking things over and I may even start trying to bite you that's we're almost at that level um so let's hope he keeps it together because I'm trying not to feed him before 4 30 although sometimes if I have to get work done he does win and he knows that right that's why he's pushing boundaries Anyway, I'm sure you may or may not be able to hear him, but he's purring, but not in a friendly way. I think it's like quite, um, quite aggressive, quite intense to let me know that he wants to to um, to be fed. Really, that's all he wants. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're not here to talk about my cat. We're here to talk about um, the idea of well-being, workplace well-being, and whether or not we're addressing the symptom or the cause, which is a great conversation to have because. I think, you know, I think in this space of teacher well-being, we're seeing a real shift or staff well-being, educator well-being, workplace well-being, um, just know that all of those things are the same, right? I mean, the context and narrative behind it may not be, but what I'm talking about is when we're, when we're focusing on staff and workplace well-being up until this point, um, and some may not be there yet, but some are, we have really been focusing on symptom. We've been focusing on when everyone is tired, when everyone is feeling flat, um, perhaps when we notice a dip in staff, when morale is low, when teams aren't working well, etc. And so what we do then is we look for quick fixes. We cancel meetings, we put on morning teas, we um, engage in like team activities to help boost morale or do some team bonding activities and exercises because we want everyone to feel happy and connected again. And these things really are meaningful and do serve a purpose to a point. I mean, everyone loves a morning tea. Everyone certainly loves it when the staff meeting is cancelled last minute. And sometimes we just need to get out there with our team and have a good time, you know, have some fun, do some do some activities that do boost our positive emotion. But when we operate from this space, when we only operate from a address the symptoms space, what we're not actually doing is driving sustainable change. And this is because instead what we need to be doing is looking at the cause. What's causing people to feel tired? What's causing stress? What's causing teams from being dysfunctional or people not being engaged? When we identify the cause, what that allows us to do is address the root problem, right? To actually address the root cause. It's it's a bit like... Um, 
you know, if we were to go out into our garden and look at look at some trees that might need um, pruning or attending to, and we notice that one is quite sick and its leaves are dying, and we think, oh, well, we'll just cut the leaves off and they grow back new. But they actually don't. They grow back with the same thing and we keep cutting them off, and then they keep going back, letting us know that they've got some kind of infection or disease or whatever it may be. We're not actually addressing the cause of the issue here. We're just addressing the symptom. And so we have to do, look at what the causes are. Now, I know that this may be challenging. It may be confronting. It may be something that requires us to be vulnerable and open and have a conversation that's a little bit icky, but change is. Change is a little bit icky. That doesn't mean we should avoid it. That doesn't mean we should uh, shy away from it or resist it. It just means we have to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. And so if we're really serious about addressing this teacher and educator wellbeing issue, which many of us are, we definitely need to move away from addressing symptom and dive into cause, which means the conversation we're having, in all honesty, revolves around what I think are three key areas, workload, productivity, and time. Yes, we may use other words to talk about these. Yes, we may... Uh, have other things that sit underneath them, but I think it's really about these three key things. We need to address workload, more of it, less of it, the right type of workload. We need to address productivity, how long it's taking to do things, but whether or not we're working effectively, efficiently and with ease. Are our systems effective? Is how we work effective? Does it allow us to work quickly or are we doubling up? And what is going on with time? enough of it, not enough of it, how we spend it, parameters around it, expectations of it. I mean, that is a complex conversation in itself. So at the moment, what it seems like we're doing is having conversations about these these things separately and separate from well-being, or perhaps we're not having them at all. And what we know about well-being in the workplace is that it really is reflected through things like engagement, whether or not we feel like we have purpose in the work that we do, the meaning we attach to it, how fulfilling we are, we feel in our workplace, the ability to grow and perform well. But at its core, it's about how we feel, right? It's whether or not we like our job, it's whether or not we like the people, it's whether or not we like going there, it's whether or not we like the tasks. Now, sometimes we just have to do things we don't like. And there's a difference between being friendly with colleagues and friends, and we don't have to be friends with everyone, but we have to be friendly. Uh, and sometimes things just aren't fulfilling, like, I I never will find the task of clearing my inbox fulfilling. What it gives me is a sense of satisfaction and and organisation, which in itself is fulfilling, but the task, no. And so when we're looking at what wellbeing is and we're asking people about it, I mean, ultimately it does depend on the person being asked. And if we're completing wellbeing surveys or asking people to give their opinion, we have to understand that wellbeing is a reflection of who we are and how we're feeling as we navigate these different moments as we go through periods or seasons or eras or whatever it may be, minutes, hours or days. And it's a combination of life and work, whether or not we we want it to be that way, even though we may try and compartmentalise them. Our day-to-day functioning in all areas is going to impact our workplace wellbeing. And what's important to highlight too is that whilst there is no endpoint to what we're trying to achieve, our goal is actually to create productive workplaces where time is valued and where workload or stress-contributing factors are addressed. I'll say that again. There is no end point in what we're trying to achieve in regards to staff and teacher wellbeing, but our goal right now is to create productive workplaces where time is valued and workloads and or stress-contributing factors are addressed. We just have to do that. You know, the key areas 
around workload productivity and time are so significant when looking at the task our agitators complete because often what these things do not intentionally is detract from well-being is detract from flourishing because we're actually not having conversations about what these things are we're using words like workload but what is that what does workload involve you know i watch um quite a number of those a day in the life of a teacher i just saw one recently a day in the life of a tired teacher or come hang out with a year nine english teacher on instagram and tiktok and sometimes like i look at what these educators are doing i'm like why are you doing that i couldn't understand why that's happening there's an efficient more efficient way or that doesn't need to be done or um like what are your colleagues doing and how can you collaborate with them rather than doing probably what they're doing next door that is definitely not working smarter, by the way. Um, oh, just so many things. I feel like I could talk about that, right? But I mean, I'm sure I will at one point. But that's essentially what we need to start asking. We have to start asking, you know, what is this workload? We're all talking about. What is stopping us from being productive? What matters and what doesn't? And what does productivity look like? And then also, can we have a real conversation about time? Can we have a real conversation about time in terms of time educators that are on site or not at site things that um allow us to use time effectively and efficiently and things that don't things where we perceive we have time but then time is taken away from us because we know that's a real thing now all of this impacts well-being but lots of it detracts from it and so what is underlying here as well is that you know, there is a theme of, of safe workplaces where we feel safe in the work that we do, where we know that we have time, where we know that we have autonomy, where we know have we have the ability, ability to plan our day and it's just going to go that way. That, that feeling of safety in I can be organised and I can plan my lessons and I know I'm going to have a, uh, a spare or a lesson off or release time, RFF, whatever you call it, uh, session four, which means I can mark my writing assessments I did in the morning and not have to take them home with me because I can be organised. This, this idea of time and productivity and workload, they all go together. And so we have to address them because it ultimately impacts safe workplaces and positive relationships and meaningful connection and building optimism to drive change. And we want this. We want this to be addressed. We need it to be addressed. But what I want to emphasize and ask you and invite you to inquire into is um, this question of when you address well-being, staff well-being or your own well-being, are you addressing the symptom or the cause? Because I mentioned putting on morning teas because staff need to pick me up, cancelling a meeting because everyone is tired. When we do those things, we are addressing the symptom. When instead we need to address the cause, we actually need to ask, why do we need to pick me up right now? Why are staff tired? Now, sometimes there may be a very valid reason for this. Absolutely. Maybe staff have been on camp and so they're tired. I mean, that's real. Uh, maybe we need to pick me up because we've been preparing for a concert and our routine has been a little bit out of schedule, which means our kids are a little bit out of sorts. And so that's um, more energy for keeping them calm that teachers have to utilize and so because of that we may be a little bit tired and so we need a morning tea sure you know absolutely there's valid reasons for, for things definitely but every now and then even though a morning tea or a cancelled meeting may be needed it can't be all we do it just can't be all we do we have to consider how we're going to tackle the cause of these things 
Because if staff feel like they have no time, then we need to examine how we're allocating and spending time. Personally, professionally, individually, collectively, how do we spend our time? Now, I think in our profession, um, for lack of a better word, quite loose with time. No one really monitors how we spend our time when it's not teaching time and when it's not planning time. So what are we doing? Why is it that some teachers can get things done and not take work home and others do? What is it? I, I'm genuinely asking that as a question because I think these are the conversations we need to have. Why is it that some feel like they're on top of their workload and others don't? Shouldn't we all be having in some ways the same work to do? And so we need to we, uh, we need to be a bit more discerning around how we spend time. We need to openly look at that because we all have the same amount of time available to, to us as educators and so what is it that's getting in the way? I mean, I could start listing things like, um, is it different students that we have? Is it uh, different expectations in different subject areas or year levels? Is it uh, the intensity of assessment schedules that some have and others don't? Like it could just be so many things. And this is to, um, I've said before, you know, where we really have to start inquiring into this in our, each context, each school context, because every context in every school is so varied and different. And so this is not about mandating time that all teachers should be on site for uh, across the country or across states. It's about going deeper into how do we spend time and what time do we have available to us in our own school context. Like that's really what I'm saying. It's the same too that if we feel like there's always something more to do or it never ends and we're not being productive, so we're not where we need to be because we're not working efficiently or effectively or because there's just so much to do, like what are those things? What are the things that are stopping us from being productive, being efficient and effective and working well? And what are the things that keep popping up on our list? Are they really essential or not? Are they things we're telling ourselves we have to do individually or are they coming from the school as a system? And do we really need to do them or can we let some things go? I think we need to start asking that question seriously. You know, and also if there's a continued sense of overwhelm or constantly shifting priorities, then that becomes a workload issue. It's a workload issue because if everyone has a different priority, that is extra work for an educator. And whilst one thing may seem quite minute, if 10 people have or 10 leaders have a really small thing they want someone to do, 10 small things becomes quite a big thing. We've got to address all of this. And so we need to review these things and identify what's working well and when it's not. And this might mean completely overhauling and changing things like routines or systems, ways of organizing time, teams, or how we work or the work we do. But we have to ask ourselves some really, really critical questions. You know, does what we're doing really matter? Look at the task that you're doing. Look at what's on your to-do list. Look at what's in your school strategic plan or look at what's in your day-to-day -day functioning of your week or term. Like, do these things really matter? Is it connected to our current vision or current goals? Is there a better way to do something? Should we stop doing something? Should we stop doing X altogether? What would happen if we did? What would happen if we stopped doing school assemblies each week? What would happen if we stopped sending out a weekly newsletter? Like, what would happen? And how else could we communicate that in a different way? What's the value of it? I heard this great phrase, actually, someone on my LinkedIn commented, often in schools we're trying to um, serve champagne on a beer budget. And I thought that was brilliant, you know. We want to offer this gold standard champagne first-class service, but we're operating from uh, an economy budget. And even though we can say it shouldn't be that way, um, 
I think in some ways too, what that implies is that the first class standard is offering all the extras, you know, all the little things that make it luxurious. And I don't know if we have in schools the ability to make it luxurious. And when we make it luxurious, is the luxury something that we as a school have told ourselves we have to do? Or is it something that the system has said we have to do? And is that connected to our purpose? Is that connected to what we need to do? And sure, some of it might be, but then that means something else has to give. Um, and so we, we really have to start having these open, brave, vulnerable conversations. Like we just do because, you know, see, the discussion concerning well-being should be aiming to prevent us from feeling stressed or overwhelmed or as though our to-do lists um, are endless. It should really focus on exploring how we can enhance productivity, maximise time and reduce workload and our, approach our tasks in a manner that enables us to concentrate on what truly matters and finally release what doesn't. Now, I understand this is contentious and I understand that we can debate that everything is important. But I don't think we have the capacity to maintain a first-class service right now. Uh, sure, some schools might, but I think we need to instead change that question to what is our version of first class that's available to us right now? And also this question too is really around how do we evolve schools, not just change, but how do we evolve? I think the bigger question here too is around, yes, we need to address some things in regards to what's causing low staff or educated wellbeing. But I think too, the question is, and how do we redesign schools so that they function differently? Because we are really in some ways, using old systems in our schools for how we work, how we feel, how we connect, how we team, how we teach, uh, how we lead, that at some point served a purpose but may not serve that purpose anymore. And that's okay, right, because it's a different season now. It's a different season uh, of what we're seeing in, in all aspects of workplaces. And, and some have been able to create this much faster because, you know, I don't have students, I don't have children. And ours just looks a little bit different, but that doesn't mean it becomes an excuse not to. So I'm just going to say again and end with, you know, we really should be focusing on right now just exploring how we can enhance productivity, maximise time and reduce workload because that's what's going to enable us to con concentrate on what matters and release what doesn't. All right, wonderful people, um, this has been super fun. I feel like I could have gone off on about 20 tangents just then. I really had to rein it in. <laughs> um, but I know you know this is needed, right? We need to have these conversations. So if you love this, please share it with someone. The more we share, the more we invite into this uh, space of people thinking like this, being exposed to conversations like this, the more conversations around meaningful change happen. And that's how we get systemic change. And I have no doubt that things will look very different in the near future. So if you need anything, you know how to reach me. As always, um, like or share this. And otherwise, have a great day, evening, night, whatever time of day it is for you. And I'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Thank you so much for hanging out with me just now and listening to that episode. What a delight it was. As always, please make sure you are following me on social media to stay up to date with all of the current news, latest things I'm offering, and just overall well-being tips, tricks, and strategy. You can find me on LinkedIn, 
on Instagram at underscore the wellness strategy. And my private Facebook group is the Teacher Wellbeing Hub, which is designed for educators, but of course, anyone else who wants to be a part of that. If you need anything, email me at hello at amygreen.com.au. Find me at the wellness strategy online and reach out if there's anything you need in the consulting or coaching space. This is about working together to ensure that wellbeing thrives both in and out of our workplace in and out of our home and together. This is how we get real change. This is how we do the work. It's exciting and it's fun and it's work we can do together. So if you're looking for something, let me know. I'm always here to help. As always, it's been a delight and I'll see you next episode.